Welcome, listeners, to Season 5, Episode 1 of Drinking and Screaming, a queer and feminist podcast about horror movies and cocktails. I'm Char, and my pronouns are she, they. And I'm Kelly, and my pronouns are they, them. And this is the Season 5 premiere! Our podcast can go to kindergarten now. Oh my goodness, we missed you! (laughs) It was nice to have a little break, though. Yeah. And this week, we are watching The Grudge, coming out with a bang from 2004. But first, we have an inspired cocktail creation that we made to match the mood and themes of the movie. So we made this creation to be dark, thick, and ghostly. (laughs) This episode will contain discussion on suicide, drowning, domestic violence, and harm to animals. If any of these things are something that you need to not hear about today, feel free to skip this episode and we'll see you at the next one. So I made the cocktail this week. Yes. And and it is definitely thick. Yeah. So I call it hair clog. Oh, God. (laughs) I wanted to make something that was like dark and creepy, like the hair that comes out of the ceiling Mm -hmm. and the like shadow monster that uh, scares Karen and Emma. Um, So I made this out of pudding um and a bunch of other stuff and uh since we are changing how our patreon works because uh we want to lighten the load a little bit on ourselves we're gonna tell you what the ingredients are now here right now for every episode moving forward every single one you get the whole thing you can make it yourself for free yeah but you have to buy the stuff but you know that's true all the brain power is free you can go to a bar and tell them how to make it (laughs) make Uh, me this pudding please it's called hair clog yeah (laughs) Uh, but if you did want to support us on the patreon all of the tiers are mostly now like help support us uh since we were kind of overloading ourselves with all of the rewards and stuff yeah you can go to patreon.com slash drink and scream yes i remembered anyways hair clog this is how you make it sugar-free chocolate pudding that's not really important that it's sugar-free but that's That's what what we we had uh bailey is about a half ounce um if you're using a full cup of pudding i also did it to flavor uh vanilla liqueur also about five ounces or 0.5 0.5 ounces. I said five ounces. I mean, you do you if you want to do that. <laughs> By all means. Listen, it's the first time we've gone through the ingredients. So it, it uh, anyways, dash of Mad Labs uh, coffee bitters. And optionally, you can use a cinnamon stick and put a little bit of cloves on top for the scent. It kind of makes it a little bit more like creepy, in my opinion. It's a very fall drink, actually, now that I think about it. It looks so aesthetically pleasing. I'm a little worried that my slurping is going to come across <laughs> as I was eating this while Kelly was doing the ingredients. It definitely. So my intention is that you use the cinnamon stick as like a distribution method. But what you it's so thick, you can just dip the cinnamon stick in it and then just kind of like suck on it. Mm-hmm. It's like a candy apple. My cinnamon stick has a big trough in it, though. Which is why I have to slurp because it gets all stuck in the middle. Stuck in the middle with you. It's very good, though. I it's like it. <laughs> very, very creamy. Uh, the amount of alcohol that you put in is just enough that it gives you a little tingle on the tongue. Ooh. But uh, the, it really complements the flavors. I think the Bailey's is really coming through for me in a good way. That's good. I'm enjoying the extra bit of cinnamon as well. And I don't think I put enough coffee bitters in there because my intention was that it Mm, would add a bit of the spice and stuff. So I would either add more coffee bitters or something else with a spice. 
Yeah, like, it's not really mocha. It's definitely chocolate creamy. Yeah, maybe just real ass coffee. But then you lose the thickness and it becomes a drink, which, you know, kind of the uh, the purpose. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of how we have updated our Patreon, we now do Patreon shoutouts every single episode, no matter what tier you're on. Whoa. So thank you so much to these patrons, many of whom have been with us almost since the very, very beginning. Holy yeah. crap. Thank you all so much. Nicholas G, Jacob M, Diana S, Curtis R, Aiden T, Ulsbear, Jackie V, Janet S, Cat K, Redhead Rebellion, Les Represent Podcast, Colleen D, and Aubrey L. Thank you all so much. It's so overwhelming to read them all in a row. That's so many people. That's so many people. Thank you for supporting the show, for giving us a little bit of change to help make this podcast the best it can be. Mm-hmm. So this week we watched The Grudge, which I picked because I thought that, well, we kind of picked it together. It would be a really good start to spooky season. It's September, but really, I mean, who's going to wait for October <laughs> for the real spooks to start? Uh, premiered on October 22nd, 2004, directed by Takashi Shimizu, written by Steven Sisko, and is based on the film Juon the Grudge, also by Takashi Shimizu. Stars Sarah Michelle Geller as the American student Karen, Jason Bear as Karen's boyfriend Doug, Ryo Ishibashi as Detective Nakagawa, and Takako Fuji as Ghost Kayako. <gasps> This synopsis was written by Sujit R. Varma on IMDb. Thank you so much, Sujit. Uh, The normal facade of a modest house in Tokyo belies the hidden terror within. It is possessed by a violent plague that destroys the lives of everyone who enters. Known as the grudge, this curse causes its victims to die in the grip of a powerful rage. Those who are fatally afflicted by the curse die and a new curse is born. Passed like a virus to all those who enter the house in an endless growing chain of horror. Whoa. Karen is an exchange student studying social work in Japan who innocently agrees to cover for a nurse who didn't show up for work. When she enters the assigned home, she discovers an elderly American woman, Emma, who is lost in a catatonic state while the rest of the house appears deserted and disheveled. As she is tending to the stricken old woman, Karen hears scratching sounds from upstairs. When she investigates, she is faced with a supernatural horror more frightening than she could ever imagine. Within this house, a chain of terror has been set in motion, resulting from a terrifying evil that was born years earlier. As more people die, Karen is pulled into the cycle of horror and learns the secret of the vengeful curse that has taken root in this house. Now she must stop it before it's too late. So Karen discovers that Kayako had fallen in love with another man and her husband found out and fell into a jealous rage. He killed her, her son Toshio, and the family cat. This is what created the rage demon known as the grudge. Kayako murders and torments everyone who enters her home. Karen's boyfriend dies in the house while he's trying to find her and she ends up burning the house down to try and stop the cycles of murders. Later, when she goes to identify her boyfriend's body from the police, we see the grudge is still alive and strong with Kayako standing behind her. Oh, no. And then you got to do the sound. 
Wait, I had too much uh, pudding in my throat. <laughs> Do it again. Okay, that's enough. We don't want to scare everybody. This is a scare-free zone. <laughs> Do you want a, f- a fun fact that I didn't include in the scaredy facts? Yes. Yeah. Uh, Toshio's cat's name is Mar, Aww. because that's what it was called in the original Zhuon, Um, but they didn't name it in this one. <laughs> Fair. My cloves are so crunchy. You're not supposed to eat them. Well, you put it right in the middle of it. It's uh, it's a garnish. So what do you do? Just leave them. But then th- that just ruins. Then there's pudding left. Uh, I don't know. You can suck on them, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Yours was the picture. Yours yours was for the uh, photo. Mm-hmm. So you, everyone knows that they kind of zhuzh up photos with stuff that you're not supposed to eat. Of course. Yeah. Hit me with that trailer audio. So that is a trailer that I have seen several times because when my cousin and I used to watch TV, like later at night, they would start to play like the scary trailers. So that kept coming up and I would close my eyes, but then I would still like picture the trailer in my mind and it freaked me out. So that's my, um, that's my review of that trailer. It's a very scary trailer. Yeah. I didn't like it. And that's because I didn't like it when I saw it. <laughs> it has a lot of the scares from the film. And it did it did a really good job of just the bare bones of the story. Yeah, it doesn't tell you a lot of the like mystery that they're trying to solve. It also was very quiet. Yeah. I don't even know if we'll put the audio in now that I'm thinking about no, it. No, there was no like voice or anything it wasn't nobody was reading to you what the overlay said yeah but it did the whole thing of like when somebody dies in terror or sorrow they're brought back with a grudge it never forgives and it never forgets it was also weird watching that and i think i also had that problem watching the movie was that the the layout of the house is identical in scary movie four Mm. So every seeing this felt like a spoof of Scary Movie 4, <laughs> which I know is the opposite yep. that it should have been. <laughs> mm-hmm. Do you have some thoughts? I do. I have one quick thought that I actually didn't write down, but I remembered while watching it, I really liked how the story was presented kind of linearly, but with jumps back to moments before, because the first thing we get is Yoko and Karen encountering the grudge. And then we go back to when the Williams, I think was their name, moved moved into the house. But that was only like a couple days ago. And then we jump forward to the next people with the curse. And it's kind of like moving around, but in Mm -hmm. a way that like every time it's about to switch, someone's like, well, what about so and so? And then we go and see what happens to them. Yeah. Which for me was a bit confusing. Oh, really? Yeah. Something in my brain wasn't clicking that they were saying the name of the person that it then jumped to. Oh. So I was like, this is so many people. Who's living in the house right now? <laughs> I think it, for me, it definitely helped that it was all within the course of like three days. Like other than jumping back to um, Peter Kirk's death and um, like the family's original death, most of it was just happening within the course of like three days. Mm. Um, but yeah, I could see that getting a bit confusing if it's like suddenly the Williams are walking into the house after you had seen the curse arise and it's like, wait, are they going to walk in on Karen dead in there? Yeah. Then they find the couple in the ceiling and I'm like, wait, who is that couple? (laughs) 
I, it's all so heteronormative. <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh, you know the the white fa- family that were moved into the Japanese house, which interesting enough is my first point. Aha! Um, so we know that this is a uh, American remake of Shu on the Grudge, mm-hmm. um, which is a Japanese movie. And at first, I thought it was weird that they had decided to have an American remake set in De- in Japan, featuring a primarily white cast. But then I started thinking about it and there's kind of this like underlying, like maybe nobody in the area wanted to live in that house. Oh, totally. I think so. Yeah. Since Kayako Toshio and the angry dad uh, had died there, there was probably like a legend about how they had died in rage and the curse was there. So nobody wanted to live there. So the real estate agent was probably pumped that a family moved there because of work and decided to move into this obviously cursed house. Let me show you how big it is and how nice it is. Please ignore the clogged uh, tub where the woman died and her hair and ghost are still present. Oh, yeah. That was creepy. Which I believe is referenced in Scary Movie 4. I think the real estate agent starts fighting Kayako and it's like, nope, everything's fine. Punch, punch. Um, I liked the speaking about like the dark tub. There was a lot of the like cultural clues for ghosts mm. were featured in the film. Most of which I know of because of the video game Phasmophobia. Oh yeah. Of like, sense. you got to look for the dark water and stuff like that. So I connect. I felt like it kind of tapped me on the head. Like, oh, good job, Shar. You're smart. Oh, dark water is a sign <laughs> of a ghost. Yeah. Was, <laughs> also, it's just creepy, but yeah. you know. And like the hair and stuff like that. It's mm-hmm. like mm. um, the one thing that I thought was funny was the. I think the mom is the one that tapes the uh, cabinet shut, like the the mom that's in the pseudo catatonic state. Okay. Because. It, there was no one else in the house. So unless Kayako did that and then snuck back in, but it, that is uh, sort of, at least from what I understand, a Japanese thing of putting a bunch of like prayer, like pieces of paper with like prayers and stuff on it. To uh, keep it shut. Yeah. And like, it keeps the ghosts out and like the door shut. Right. Uh, I was about to say maybe Kyoko did it, but then, or not Kyoko. Yoko. Yoko. Yeah. But then she's the one that found the, t- Oh wait, no. It's Karen that finds the tape. Yeah. And there was nobody else there other than the mom between Yoko getting her jaw ripped off and Karen coming in and finding the tape. Oh, yeah. So and I Yoko think, went in there, so she couldn't have been the one that put the tape up. That's true. Unless the possessed Yoko came out and decided to tape it shut. Who knows? But I just thought that was funny because it was almost um, a custom Unless yeah. also taping is a custom and it's a more modern one. I don't mm. know. Mine are also either based on Japanese class or playing old Japanese horror games. <laughs> <laughs> um, as for like Karen, Doug and Peter being there, I don't I don't know. I guess, again, it's an American remake, so they probably wanted like a primarily American cast so that it, people could project themselves onto it. Because mm. if it was all a Japanese, I mean, the real answer is if it was a Japanese cast, then moviegoers would be like, ooh, a foreign movie? Gross. Yeah, and then they wouldn't make as much money. Yeah. Which is so annoying. I ain't reading no subtitles. Disgusting. I, I think closed captions should be on every movie you go see. Yeah, it makes it easier to, to see what's going on. And then you don't have to have the annoying partner being like, wait, what did they say? What's up? What happened? I don't understand. Usually that's me in the movie theater <laughs> calling myself out now. 
um, I kind of see in in terms of uh, the like social worker um, company that like Matt, the guy who who'd moved for his work, had found a primarily like American run one so that he could communicate with them. Yeah. Uh, which explains why Ted Raimi, for some reason, ran a social worker company in Japan. Yeah. But uh, who knows? Um, I'm glad that, like, there was at least some primary Japanese cast and, like, the investigator and stuff. Yeah. It also, it really does make me want to watch the original. Yes. All 13 of the originals. <laughs> <laughs> well, the original first one. We'll see how it goes. And yeah. then uh, continue. Um, fun Down fact that hole. I also don't think I include. The yes. original is not the original. There was a either made for TV or straight to DVD or VHS movie before oh. Juon the Grudge called The Grudge. It was like in 2000, I think. Holy cow. The Grudge, yeah. then Juong The Grudge, then The Grudge again. Yeah. And The Grudge 2, <laughs> then The Grudge, or no, Juong The White Ghost or something. I don't remember. Um, but yeah, that was my first point. Next my, one. My second point is sort of meta, but I found it interesting how much this movie, as well as like Ringu, were built up in my mind when I was younger. To the point that I never made an attempt to watch these movies because my interpretation of how scary they were going to be was far more scary than they may actually have been. Right. Um, like this was one of those movies that my family passed around the VHS. There were like rumors that scary shit was happening while they were watching it. We kind of built up this idea that like, oh, watching this movie actually curses you or like whatever. Um <laughs> My mom became mm-hmm. like terrified of Kayako crawling down the stairs and I never watched the movie, but in my mind, I believed all of that and built up this idea. Wow. This movie is going to be incredibly horrifying. Yeah. Even now when I watch a bunch of horror movies, I had this sort of tinge in the back of my mind. I'm like, what if the grudge is still incredibly scary and I even cannot handle it, but it wasn't that scary. Yeah, but that's not to say that it didn't have a lot of really good scares. The uh, ghost, the main ghost of Kayako, I found like the facial expression that she was doing in a lot of the close up scenes where it's slowly revealed really stuck with me. Like I can think about that in my brain right now. And then I go like, Ugh. <laughs> um, look at the window next to you thinking that you'll see her standing there. Yeah. I think the one that got me the wow. most was the jump scare on the bus. When Karen sees Kayako's face in the mirror or yeah, in the window, like it follows her. Yeah. And yeah, you're right. There are some cool ideas, but I think I just, I don't actually know if I just built it up too much in my mind to the point that it could never f- fulfill that. Or I've become desensitized from watching a bunch of other movies. I think it's a little of both, especially like when you're so young, scary things are infinitely more scary. Yeah, that's true. Uh, This movie also was one that stuck with me as a kid. And I was pretty young at the time. I don't know even how much I've ever seen of it before watching it um, later on. But I do remember, well... I'll save that story for the preview. I have quite a l- great story of young Char and uh, the grudge. That's fair. In the preview. So go listen to that on Patreon. But it's time for the real deal. You so, always fall flat for that. Because I intentionally <laughs> fall flat. 
I, this is lore from last season when we introduced the real deal is that I think it's a dumb name. And but they refuse to come up with a better one. Exactly. Well, it's too late now. It's solidified. <laughs> and you're not the one that's reading it. So I have all the power here. Yes. Do what you want. Um, for those of you who don't know, uh, this this section of our podcast spawned because my mom believes that we don't talk enough about how scary and horrifying the movies are. Instead, we talk about social issues, feminism, what you know, all that stuff that doesn't really Ugh, help all that you. boring stuff, all that boring stuff. So this segment of the podcast is her way of letting you know how scary the movie actually was. And I imagine the fact that my last point was that the movie wasn't that scary is going to be contradicted by my mom right now. <laughs> so, yeah. OK, well, she in her note, she took a p- picture of Toshio and folded it into the note. So when I open it, it's uh, Toshio's face screaming at me. Scary. Hey, I just noticed in this image, you can see the eyes of Mar in his mouth. Oh. So he swallowed Mar or their ghosts. They're bonded forever. Are you a warlock, Toshio? That's cool. All right, here we go. Contrary to what Shar and Kelly may think, I was able to watch enough of the grudge through the protective shield I created with my hands <laughs> that covered my face to make a fair critique of this creepy classic. This is the real deal of the grudge. It was scary as shit <laughs> back in 2004. That's because contorting corpses and the use of innocent children to frighten the fuck out of you were new back then. Obviously scarring me for life because I still can't handle it the other night. Why? Because it's wrong. The jump scares, sick staircase scene, and that kid that emits the eerie meowing sound like my cat would if I attempted to steal her treats away really (laughs) carried this movie because the acting sucked and the storyline was just okay. I give this movie three stars, and that's only because it was the trailblazer for massive amounts of creepiness. And then there's a picture of Toshio saying, meow, meow. Hey, that's fair. That's, I think, a pretty solid review. Yeah. I agree for sure about the, not so much like the acting was bad, but I just feel like the plot was kind of shitty in mm. terms of like there was so many people and I really didn't know what was going on other than there's definitely a ghost that likes to be messy in here. That's true. <laughs> I think also the fact that it was 2004, the the acting was. More. Yeah, it is of its time, but that I can forgive. Yeah. take a moment to talk about our socials and sponsors. This season of Drinking and Screaming would not be possible without the support of Mad Lab Distillery. With us since the very beginning, this distillery is Canadian and we love everything they create. You can get their amazing products at a private liquor store near you or at madlabdistilling.com. We use the coffee bitters in our drink, 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 in quotation marks today. (laughs) Uh, and I think it, uh, I need to add more. It's, uh, it's good. It's good. Nom, 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 I want more nom. of that flavor. I'm really excited to see what we get in our next shipment from them because they are continuing with support in season five. Oh, man. Five oh, man. whole seasons of support. Thank you so much, Mad Labs. Yay. Evil Amy is, of course, joining back on the bandwagon for season five. She has sent us some bath bombs. Relax with your favorite scented bath bomb. They have a variety to choose from, including Witch's Brew, Vampire Ash, Wolf's Bane, and more delicious scents. Manufactured by Fantasy Soapworks and exclusive to Evil Amy's Terror Shop, they also have a famous slasher killer shaped 
bath bombs. You want to have a bath with Freddie? I mean, <laughs> no. that's on you, but go for it. EvilAmysTerrorShop.com. They ship globally. And you can use the code EVIL10, all caps, for 10% off your purchase. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at drink underscore scream, on Facebook at drink and scream, and you can email us at drinkingandscreaming at gmail.com. For more information and to buy some merch, including the new merch, go to drinkingandscreaming.com. I really want to tell you about it, but we got to leave it a surprise. Yeah. Go find out. Let's creepy crawl back into the episode. Crack, 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 crack. <laughs> It's time for This is the part of the show where we read your reviews live, give you extra special thanks, and of course, if we ever get a new patron, this is where you get your extra big special <gasps> shout-out. Showcase. And we have one. During our break, during our season break, someone brand new joined us. Thank you so much to Nicholas G Yay. for supporting the show while we were on break. We couldn't do it without you. That's such a nice thing to come back to. And you helped supply us with the um, vanilla liqueur featured yes. in this pudding. I was going to say cocktail and I was like, that's not what it hey, is. there's a such thing as a cocktail pudding. <laughs> it's an ambrosia. It's a chocolate ambrosia. Oh, when I hear ambrosia, I just think of like ambrosia salad. Yeah. But Nicholas G is not like ambrosia salad. <laughs> they are amazing. If you want to be as cool as Nicholas, get all our exclusive cocktail recipes from seasons past and vote on films we should watch next. Go to patreon.com slash drink and scream. You also get a merch discount code and Kelly made us some brand new merch. <gasps> We're going to leave it a little surprise for you for now. Keep your pure, unless you're a patron. Then you, you've already figured it out because it was in the preview. <laughs> <laughs> My first point, um, as Colleen had said earlier, the story and the acting was a little lackluster. And my points for this film don't even really talk about that. I'm really surface level today. <laughs> I'm feeling the fall vibes, the spooky vibes. And I want to talk about the star of that film. Of course, the black cat who I now learned is named Mar. Yeah. I don't know the name of the actual cat. I could probably find it out while you're talking. Yes. Try and find it for me. But this kitty was featured throughout the film in a lot of different areas. And I usually find that cats in horror are featured as like a cheap jump scare. They like jump out of a closet instead of the creature jumping out and what have you. And they never really get featured again. But in this movie... Mar is so deeply entwined with Toshio, the child that was killed. And we see him a lot and he never does anything bad. Um, he never like claws out. He never hurts the people who are cursed by the grudge. And I just thought that that was really interesting, especially because black cats are always viewed as such an ill omen. Mm, I have a fact on that, but do continue. Oh, I just thought that... Um, it was nice to see a cat. And then I will be sad to report that this fe this film does feature um, a little bit of animal violence. And when I say a little bit, the cat does get killed. Yeah. It's very fast, but it's also pretty brutal. Yeah. Um, it's like two seconds, but oh, I did not appreciate that. Um, and yeah. earlier on, like when the cat is meowing and hissing, 
uh, every time it happened, Buddy did not appreciate it at all. <laughs> he was lying on Kelly and every single time, like his ears would stand up. His like, you know, how like the typical Halloween drawing of a cat, like where it arches its back. Mm-hmm. He would do that a bit and then we'd have to calm him down and be like, it's just in the movie. <laughs> Don't you worry, buddy. Um, yeah, I like your uh, like saying that the sh- Mar never does anything violent is interesting because like Toshio doesn't really either. And they're kind of just observing the violence that's going on. Yeah. Uh, like we see Toshio with like the scars and the cuts and stuff from his dad, even in ghost form. Um, but like, yeah, they never do anything violent outwardly to anyone. They're just like sitting and watching. And then they scare people. Yeah. But that's just by them being themselves. Exactly. Um, and I do want to say that, like, the fact that the dad went on a murder spree that included killing the cat is pretty fucking brutal. I yeah. mean, no wonder the grudge ghost was so terrible. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Hey, <laughs> I said no scaring the audience. I also my second point. Wait, did you find the name of the cat? No, Damn I did it. not. I've, I keep finding the one from. Uh, the Japanese movie because that's where it's actually named Mar, but that doesn't even say who plays uh, it. That's okay. It'll be named Buddy. <laughs> oh, I just realized something. It's written Mar in English, like M A R, but it's just Ma, like oh. with a slight like Ma uh, at the end because it's just too. Because uh, it kind of sounds like Ma. Uh, interesting. Which isn't even the noise that cats make in Japan. What do they say? Uh, shit. What is it? Um, the versus um, damn it! I I will find out for you. That is my next job. I learned that in uh yeah, because you took a bit of Japanese. Yeah, what does the cat say? What does the cat say? Uh, my next point while Kelly is googling is that I really liked the theme, the thematic movement and scares that were featured by the ghosts in the Grudge. Once you see the flashback of how the family was murdered, you can really see the parallels in the ghosts like Toshio is sitting on the stairs. And like we were saying earlier, he's always very passive. He was watching the violence being done. And in this new ghost form, he does not continue to contribute to the violence. He's mainly a voyeur Mm. of what is happening. And I thought that that was interesting. Like the image of him on the stairs is recreated perfectly when he is a ghost twice. Um, And we see it when he's uh, witnessing the violence that is happening to his mom. Also, the scene that your mom really hates of um, Kaiko crawling on the floor. I thought that that was really cool because in the flashback, we see that her hair is used against her to kill her. Uh, by her husband and she um, is this is like a bit of graphic um, domestic violence descriptions we see that she's like struggling on the floor trying to crawl away Mm -hmm. and that is like how she moves in the house when she's not just like appearing and disappearing in water or in her hair she crawls down the stairs very like articulately um which I thought was very reminiscent of that scene. Also, it was Nya, obviously. Yeah. And Cats go Nya. Nya, Nya. <laughs> but something that I thought was very interesting was that they took 
how she was killed uh, with all of this violence, especially being focused on her hair. And then Kaiko takes that and sort of like repurposes it as her own weapon to kill her own future victims. Uh, The husband drags her by the hair in the flashbacks, but then her hair becomes like such a huge piece of her murders. It's like, we see her husband maybe was killed by her in ghost form. Yeah, he's like hanging from the ceiling by her hair. And um, then like you said, the hair is like in the tub. Yeah, it's also um, her, I believe her, like he snaps her neck. And I think that's why she rips people's jaws off. Because she ends up ripping his jaw off and then hanging him with her hair. She also rips off Yoko's jaw. It's like part of what she does, I yeah, guess. Yeah, yeah. And then I do, as we close this off, I want to say that uh, domestic violence is a massive problem that women everywhere face. Right now in Canada, uh, a woman is killed by her intimate partner once every five days. So I um, implore you to research your local um, shelters and domestic violence centers. Give a donation if you can. I'll, I'll put a link to our local one in Vancouver in the show notes. Nice. And then my last point is a throwaway one, but this movie is totally the reason why I can't close my eyes in the shower (laughs) because in the scene where Karen's showering and she's like washing her hair and then there's a hand in her skull and I just don't like it. And now I never shower with my eyes closed. And that's like to this day, I can't, I don't like to close my eyes in the shower. It's definitely stemmed from this. Yeah, I think uh, I had the same thing, even though I only saw the trailer. (laughs) But it is in the trailer. Yeah. And they do it well, too. It's not like CG. They just like cover the hand with her hair and it doesn't like stick out or anything or seem odd. And then as she washes, the hand comes more visible. Oh, damn it. What? Our tub is clogged. There's so much water everywhere. I guess I'm going to have to roll up my sleeves and find out what's clogging this 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 tub. Oh, I think I got a handle on it. It's what like, is it? It's like big and, and leathery and kind of like like book shaped. Oh, my God. It's time to open the Reconomicon. This is the part of our podcast where we recommend movies to you that are sort of based around the one we're watching or... I don't know. Sometimes in my case, I just want you to watch something and I'll let you know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that seems like you have one that's uh, quite off topic. No, this one's good. I promise. All right. Uh, My recommendation is Fear Street from 2021. It's technically a trilogy of three movies, but once you watch the first one, you're probably going to binge it. And they're really good. Mm -hmm. Uh, We watched it during our break um, and it also features an inescapable curse that hunts you down until you're killed. That's true. Yeah. So that's Fear Street from 2021. It's on Netflix. You can watch it right now. It's really I I agree with this endorsement. I love that movie. Those movies. Yeah. My recommendation is Dark Water from 2002. It has a very similar ghostly haunting theme and it follows a recently single mom and her daughter in their new apartment and they soon start to see visions of a ghost girl. Dark Water from 2002 for some early 2000s spooky vibes. Nice. It's time for... Scaredy Facts. 
For those of you who are just joining us, I mean, it's the beginning of season five. We might have some newcomers in here. Or for those of you who just like to hear the story like I do, this is the part of the show where we invite you into our relationship to snuggle on the couch under some blankets and read up on some trivia, some interviews, some behind the scenes stories on the film we just watched to make us realize it was just a movie no Kayako is coming to kill us. <laughs> and uh, Kelly did the scaredy facts for I, this film. I did. Uh, the budget for this was estimated uh, $10 million, mm-hmm. which is pretty good. Its opening weekend was $39.1 million. Wow. Which, fun fact, is the best opening weekend of a horror movie until Friday the 13th, 2009 came out, which has got oh. like $45 million, I think. All right. Damn. I, Heck yeah. Uh, I remember, I just remember that one. Gross worldwide is 187.3 million, yeah, which totally makes sense. It's a classic. I'm If it was anything less, I'd be astounded. All the games and also all the Japanese movies and yeah. books and shorts and TV shows and all that shit. And Sarah Michelle Geller. And Sarah Michelle Geller. <laughs> uh, all right. First one. Before filming, the cast and crew went through a ceremony where they were blessed so that nothing bad could happen to them for filming. Oh, yeah, I like that. We hear all these things about the conjuring and how they believe they were cursed. Yep. Uh, so it's nice that they preemptively. They did, yeah, they took care of the cast before, you know. Exactly. <laughs> uh, Yuya Ozeki, uh, Takako Fuji and Takeshi Matsuyama all appeared in Ju on the Grudge 2002 and Ju on the Grudge uh, 2 from 2003. Uh, the Japanese uh, films upon which this film was based, all reprising their roles as the doomed Psyche, Psyche family. Ah, that's yes. nice. I like the the overlap. So I believe uh, Yuya Ozeki uh, is the child and is a full-on adult now. I mean, this film was made in 2004. Yes. So 16, 18 years later. Whew. I'm like trying to figure out. That's uh, a whole adult person already, 18 yeah. years. <laughs> it's a whole adult. God. The open mouth gasping sound of the ghosts was made by the director, uh, Takashi uh, Shimizu, uh, doing the. Uh, mm-hmm. You just want to show off that you can do it. I, it's uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, scaring the audience. Squirt gun, squirt gun, yeah. squirt gun. While filming the infamous shower scene, Sarah Michelle Geller discovered that she was allergic to Japanese water uh, as it caused her skin to itch. So as to properly film the scene safely, Geller was dressed in a black hefty garbage bag from the waist down and a little black tube top, <laughs> uh, which apparently in a scene you can actually sort of t- see the tube top. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. That's interesting that uh, the water affected her in Japan. Because when we moved here, I find the water really affects me. Yeah. I imagine each location either has like different sediment or like different uh, products that they use to maintain their city water. Yeah. And Japan has so many people. So I imagine the water system has to be pretty intense. Yeah. So maybe she was, a she got, her body got accustomed to American yeah. water. Yeah. Yeah. The type of ghost that Kayako and Toshio are is based on the Japanese legend of the Onryo, a vengeful, vengeful spirit that can actually physically manifest itself to attack and kill victims. Onryo. Yeah, Japanese ghosts are dope as hell. They definitely have way more lore than American ghosts, which yeah. are just boo. Ah! <laughs> I like the, uh, the one where if you're walking alone at night and you hear an old woman uh, asking you for help and to turn around to come help her. Don't, because it will take you. All right. Yeah. 
It's just it just wants you to turn around and look at it. Takashi uh, Shimizu doesn't speak English. He's the director. So we had to have translators on set in order to help him direct the cast and crew who didn't understand Japanese. That's cool. Mm-hmm. We saw that with A Quiet Place as well um, with people who had to do ASL interpretation. Oh, yeah. For the actors. The reason the Sayaki family has a black cat as a pet is because in Japanese folklore, it is said that owning a black cat will bring good luck and fortune in the stark contrast to their ultimate face fates as vengeful ghosts. Well, there we go. Yeah. Black cats are great. I want to get a black cat one day. Yeah. Got to save them from the shelters. Exactly. Uh, Bill Pullman appeared in Scary Movie 4, which is a parody of this film. He played the exact same character that Peter Kirk is in this film. So Bill Pullman was Peter Kirk in this movie and played the same type of character in Scary Movie 4. Oh, okay. Yeah. Which is pretty funny. That's good. Uh, when Kayako is crawling down the stairs in the infamous staircase sequence, I like how so many scenes in this movie are infamous. Yeah. Uh, she is bending and contorting her, her body in ways that seem humanly impossible. Uh, Takako Fuji, being a trained contortionist and ballet dan- dancer, performed the stunts herself. Uh, the effect was not a result of trick shots or digital manipulation. Hell yeah. That being said, there are a few times where they like sped up the video to make it look more jerky and jarring yeah but she's still crawling down the stairs basically horizontally yeah it's very cool they do i can't i don't know if it's in this series later or in the ring but i know that they'll do contortionists walking backwards and then reverse the video to make it like even more creepy Mm. um A common criticism of this film comparing it to the original is the inclusion of the Jawless Yoko scene as being extreme uh, or being an example of the filmmakers making the movie more gory than the original version for the sake of gratuity. Uh, This is despite the scene being a recreation of a scene from Zhuon from 2000 in which the same thing happens to one of the characters in that as well. So so they made this scene and people say, well, this is bad. It's just gory for the sake of gore, even though it was included in the original. Exactly. So fuck you. Watch the other movie. I mean, uh, a lot of American interpretations do sort of like ruin other versions just for the sake of like gratuity. So I can see that. But also this movie was directed by the original director. Yeah. So So calm, calm down. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, This is my final fact. In an alternate ending, after Karen is recovered from the burning uh, Saiki building uh, and wheeled into an ambulance, she has another vision of the family seeing them enter their home with Toshio's new pet cat. Toshio then looks back at Karen in the ambulance before Kayako calls for him. This ending was scrapped because it spoiled Karen's survival of the house fire for the audience, which they quickly reveal, and because the test audience were, were confused and thought it was a happy ending. So, yeah, that would confuse me for sure. Yeah, I wouldn't understand. I was already confused. (laughs) Please. I mean, like we see the aggression of like the father and stuff like that. And like, I don't need to see them be happy because I assume that probably Kayako and Toshio liked each other. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And Mar. And and Mar. Little baby Mar. (laughs) All right. Well, those are all my Facts. That was good. I am glad that we do scaredy facts. Yeah. It makes me happy. Do you have any final thoughts? Uh, my final thought, besides just being so happy to be back, 
is that I'm glad that we did The Grudge. It's one that's we're on season five now and it's been on my list of like we will never finish the show before doing this movie uh, because it's been such a classic. So it was nice to revisit it um, and see it for what it is now in 2004 or from 2004 in 2021 mm-hmm. it was really cool to see. Um, yeah. Yeah. My final thought is that I there's a few series that we haven't started either because we've heard bad things or just because it seems like really hefty to get into. Uh, like we recently started watching Hellraiser mm-hmm. and it's I feel like I want to watch more of it. Um, and I feel like The Grudge was always one of those series where I was like, I knew that there were more than one movie, but also it seems like so hefty to get into. But having seen this movie, I kind of want to watch the others now. <laughs> yeah, we should. Well, that's been The Grudge, a movie about a woman with asthma and too much hair who just wants people to get out of her house. <laughs> Next week, we'll be watching my long-anticipated favorite movie sequel, A Quiet Place Part 2. <gasps> Finally. <Yay. laughs> so many delays. <laughs> and remember, always scream responsibly. Uh- Bye. Squirt, squirt, squirt. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Drinking and Screaming. Drinking and Screaming is produced and edited by Charlene Bear. Our sound engineer and logo designer is Kelly Wright. And it's hosted by, yep, you guessed it, Kelly Wright and Charlene Bear. For bonus episodes, Patreon poll voting privileges, and exclusive rewards, become a patron at patreon.com slash drinkandscream. Want a shout out? Review us on Apple Podcasts and we'll read your review live on the show. For more information, check out our website, drinkingandscreaming.com.